Alright, are you ready, Brendan? I'm ready, Sean. Alright, let's do this. Welcome to There and Back Again. And again. We are breaking down the second half of The Fellowship of the Ring. So the first installment of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Last week we broke down the first half, ending with the uh, Council of Elrond. So now we're picking up where the Fellowship leaves Rivendell and starts on their path to Mordor. What are your, yeah, let's do it. What are your initial thoughts on this second <clears throat> half? Yeah, so I mean, this is where... I mean, you can say kind of this is where it really picks up, even though there's some action prior to mm-hmm. this with getting Frodo to Rivendell. But yeah, after this, the Fellowship really takes form and then and then kind of gets all into the action of it. Yeah, there's a lot. I feel like there's so much to, to discuss and talk about with this second half, just because there's a lot that impacts the whole story mm-hmm. that happens here. The, the journey really picks up. There's nothing, you know, it's, it's like when you get sit down for like an action movie and you can kind of say to somebody like that, that thing was nonstop from beginning mm-hmm. to end. Like it's from the time they leave Rivendell, like, nope, it just keeps going. It doesn't really stop. Yeah. Whether they're going through the mountains and the snow or they're encountering those, those spies from Isengard, you know, it's just, it's constant from yeah. here. And like I said, a lot that impacts the story happens from now until the end of Return of the King. So yeah, what, what initially, I guess, from the time they left Rivendell, what were some of your favorite parts and your favorite scenes that they first encountered? Oh man, there are so many. Like I wrote a lot down from this one. I would certainly say from the time they get to into Moria, you know, when they when they go into Balin's tomb and you know they find his like his little grave or whatever you want to call it, and then you know a little bit of humor with like Pippin and the the skeleton with the armor, the skeleton like, knocking that down, yeah, and just fool of a took that whole thing and but then gandalf reading from the book you know it's like drums mm-hmm. they are coming and like that part is just the build-up to when the the goblin we cannot come. get out yes like that that whole part is is great and then the whole balrog thing you know like when they after they they get out of the that room after they beat the cave troll and they get out mm-hmm. into the the huge area where you just see the columns like as far as the eye can see, like, first of all, that just looks so cool. And then, you know, obviously the, the goblins come and surround it, but then as soon like the first sound and image of the Balrog, when you see that little glow down at the end of that and hall. The roar. Yeah. And then the, yeah. You know, all the goblins scatter and then, you know, Gandalf knows exactly what they're up against and nobody else has any idea, yep. you know, everything from the, from there to the, the bridge of Casa Doom, you know, the whole like, you shall not pass. You shall not pass! Fly, you fools. Like, just everything about that whole right. sequence is, is so cool. Yeah. Obviously, you can, you can read so much trivia about these things. And obviously, we talk a little bit about trivia here and yeah. there. But I remember that one of the very first pieces of trivia that I read specifically regarding the Balrog was how they recreated or how they created the sound of his roar. Oh, yeah. Um, and this was back like when the movies first came out. So this is like early IMDb type of trivia. I don't know if I, I don't know if it's IMDb or a special features thing that they talked about mm-hmm. it. But they I mean, 
it's so cool to be those guys that create those sounds mm-hmm. for yeah. films. You know, I, I don't know what they call them. Um, sound engineers. Fully sound or... artists. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they just dragged a block, a massive block of concrete across a concrete slab to create that kind of mm. like, that almost like gargling, like rocky kind of rubble, like effect of this roar, yeah. you know? So it wasn't just like an artificially created thing. It was just like, I mean, that real sound. So I remember going outside and trying it, like trying to drag concrete across <laughs> concrete. <laughs> like uh, it kind of sounds the same, but obviously they worked with it a lot to get it the way it was. But yeah, that's, yeah. yeah the Belrog itself is such a cool scene. It is. I remember um, another thing, I think it was the, like the shriek of the Nazgul like was another yeah. one I remember watching in the like the special features on the DVDs where it was some combination of like a donkey and like a, a walrus. I don't remember all the animals, but they it was like two or three different animals where they recorded their sounds and then like kind of mashed them together. And that's like how they made that loud shrieking noise that the, the ring wraiths make. <laughs> like it's fascinating how they mm. do that stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Like where they think it in their minds. Like you know, what? I think this kind of this should sound like a donkey yeah. mixed with some other things. Like yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, that sounds Perfect. good. Speaking of like audio stuff and sound effects, one thing I didn't know before we watched the first half was the first time that they talk about Gollum in the cave and Bilbo encountering him. You know, it's it's told by Galadriel, mm-hmm. and you hear him scream like "My precious!" after Bilbo takes uh-huh. the ring. I remember reading that. Andy Serkis wasn't quite working on the film yet to do the Gollum voice for okay. that. So Dominic Monaghan, who plays Mary, did the sound for really? that one. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I would have loved to have like, seen him in the studio doing it, <laughs> yeah. but like to see like how closely he sounded to Andy Serkis. But I was like, yeah. Interesting. That was yeah. interesting too. One thing I, while you're on the topic, one thing I noted, and, and it's not like, it was not the first time I noticed it, but, you know, Gollum looks a lot different in this film there is differences yeah obviously you don't see him fully fleshed out it's just kind of his eyes and the silhouette but you can tell him a little bit yeah definitely different before you know two towers when he's obviously a a major character and looks right obviously like he does more like the motion captures yeah yeah but you know you just see him like the one shot of him kind of poking his eyes through in the the minds of moria and then as he's floating down the river you know while they're like camped out on the the banks of the the river there and, and then he right the the log he's floating on like bumps into the rock <laughs> that's another yeah. little another little humorous moment there which you would only see in the extended version so you have right. to you have yeah, to go with missing those. Out. which kind of reminds me of one of my one of the my favorite scenes from this half comes you know obviously we do have the Belrog and the bridge of Kazaduna and everything but one of my favorite parts in Moria is when they're first traveling through the mines and they're sitting down to take a rest, Gandalf's trying to figure out where to yeah. go. And they're sitting there and he's thinking and Frodo comes up to him and they, you have that whole line that I feel like most people think of in Moria is when he says, I wish the ring had never come right. to me. And then Gandalf's trying to explain to him that they're not alone in the caves, that someone is following them and kind of hints that it's Gollum. Yeah. And one of the things that Frodo says to Gandalf is that it's a pity that Bilbo didn't kill yeah. him. And Gandalf has that whole line that, yeah, you know, I never really paid attention to I, before this viewing even, but you know, he talks about like it was pity that stayed Bilbo's mm-hmm. hand, but then kind of rebukes Frodo a little bit for his his callousness towards Gollum, right. which I feel like kind of begins Frodo's sympathy towards Gollum, not just because he's a ring bearer, bearer as well, but kind of begins to see like the pain that he's been tormented with, yeah. and the thing that Gandalf says to him is, 
Do not be too eager to deal out death and judgment. Yeah. Do not be too eager to deal out death and judgment. Which, you know, obviously speaks to Gandalf's wisdom, but a part of wisdom that he relays to Frodo that, you know, men and elves and, well, maybe elves, but not dwarves certainly exercise because they're very quick to deal in violent ways yeah. and be the judgment. But I feel it kind of sets Frodo right on his journey with the ring. Yeah. In a way to not just be so vengeful towards Gollum, but to recognize that there's value in what he's bringing at least a little bit to get you to where you need to go. Right. Yeah. That's definitely, definitely a classic scene. Um, you know, the, and then what's the last line Gandalf says, like, all we, all we can do is decide what to do with the time that's given to us. So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. Yeah. That's a great scene. And then, of course, then he remembers, oh, it's this way. Always follow your nose. Yeah. <laughs> Which I wonder what he smelled. Right. Probably dwarves. Probably was the, less, but... the least foul-smelling. Uh, oh, that's and... true. Yes. Good point. Yeah. So there were a couple, couple of little things kind of back a little earlier that I was just small things I was wanting to point out. So there's the one of the first shots as they so like right after they leave rivendell then there's kind of those sweeping shots of them like climbing through the the mountains and like you know i'm sure like mm -hmm. helicopter shots and there's this kind of that little swell of like the strings in the score and there's right. one part where they're like passing by some ruins and that's like one of the few shots in the movie where i'll be like that that kind of looks bad like those ruins were clearly cgi and they just didn't look yeah. very good and I do wonder how like Blu-ray, like that HD upgrade affects the quality of CGI sometimes when something was... I, I'm you know, sure it does on films that are older, yeah, for like sure. These were pre-Blu-ray. They were, you know, standard definition DVD and then they're, they're right. upgraded. But then another really cool shot when they're climbing the, the mountain before they, you know, before they go in the mines and Frodo like falls down. And then, like, he loses the ring and Boromir picks it up, you know? I remember yep, that's another yep. one thing I remember from the special features is, like, to get that perspective shot of them, like, when he picks the ring up, yeah. they made, like, a giant version of the ring to, yeah, to for it yeah. to, you know, because you see it in the foreground, but then you can see, like, Frodo and Aragorn further down in the background and just, like, the way that they did that. It's, like, it's such a cool, cool shot. Yeah, it's funny to see, like, how many, like, especially in the special features, how many different versions of the ring they had. Yeah. You know, they had those large ones, and I think they had two of those very mm -hmm. big ones for that scene. And I, I always wonder, like, who kept that? Where is yeah. that stuff? I, I think I remember reading at least one of the Hobbits has a version of the ring. You would think Frodo uh, would, if anybody... I, you would yeah. think so, yeah. I'm sure would, Peter Jackson yeah. does too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would make sense for every, every each of the ring bearers to have been given a, a right. you know, oh, for sure. their own version of it. Which I'm sure they're not like 24 karat gold or anything. Yeah. I'm sure they're yeah. just, you know, prop right. rings, but still cool. But yeah, that big one would be cool to see and yeah. have. Another thing, and I think I kind of teased this last week when we were talking about the scenes where Gandalf's up on the top of Orthanc. And then yes. one of my favorite yeah. shots from this part of the movie is when they're up on like climbing the, the mountain car address. And then, you know, like they start to get the snow starts falling on them and the rocks and they're like, it's Saruman, the, storm. Know, the foul voice on the air. Like he's trying to bring down the mountain. And uh, then the, the shot where they, they zoom in like on, or on him when he's on top of Orthanc and he's like, you know, got his arms up and chanting, chanting. and, 
yeah. then you kind of swing around behind him where you can see where he's looking over the mountains and there's just the the real dark stormy mm. clouds over the mountain like that that shot is one of my favorites from the movie it's just so cool like looking past him from in front of him like it all looks nice and like blue skies and and then he you know we turn right. around and see where he's looking and just like the storm he's bringing over the mountain like i've, I've always loved that that little shot there yeah which and then like you think about that you know for sure obviously that was in a studio with a green screen or a yeah. blue screen and you just have i'm sure christopher lee on top of this little set and he's just yelling into yeah. the studio so it's like that's that's <laughs> yeah, acting right. man that's acting yeah christopher lee he's a baller the only the only person to have Jumping. actually met J.R. tolkien himself in real life which I've never really looked to see how old he would have been when he met him. Uh, when he met him, yeah, I, I don't know. Young. Pretty young, yeah. At least old enough to remember, yeah. which is insane. Right. Like, I'm sure he didn't think that one day I'm going to be playing Saruman in a film of your <laughs> right. books. So what advice yeah. can you give me? Yeah, and he apparently, he read the books, like, a ton. I think maybe, like, once a year or something. Like, he was a, a huge fan, too. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty cool for him to get to play. Yeah, I'm sure he provided, like, a, a lot of insight to peter jackson during his yeah. scenes and stuff too another one that comes to mind when talking about moria is also right before they get in moria when they're outside of the entrance trying to figure out how to open yeah. the door and that whole i remember recall seeing in the theater that scene with the water monster which you 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 can correct me if i'm wrong i don't really know if they name it at I'm all say it's called um the, in the books the i'm watcher, sure they do. I the think. watcher okay um yeah i'm not which makes sense but yeah but that that little that interlude with the monster and that fight and just seeing the different it's your first shot of seeing like Legolas's skills at work. Yeah. You know, and, and different things with their their fighting skills and their their style of fighting and stuff. And so that's pretty cool. Yeah. But then Gandalf figuring out the the riddle itself. But it isn't him that figures right. it out. Really yep. it's Frodo. Which I again that's one of the things I never really caught. I was just sitting there taking notes and watching this time around for talking about this. And um I, you know, it's just passing lines if you're just watching it mm -hmm. casually but when frodo's the one that realizes it's a riddle and then i was like oh because he's a hobbit and hobbits <laughs> love riddles like he's he's the one yeah. to catch it what's the elvish word for friend right. you know and every other time i watched it i would have been just like oh yeah frodo just kind of went offhand like oh yeah it's a riddle yeah. whatever but the significance there is you know he's Bilbo's kin and Bilbo the one that used riddles to get right. the ring and figured out riddles to get from here yeah, to there. So it, it would make sense that Frodo is the one that gets them where they need to go by recognizing. Right. But yeah, then once they get in, then everything starts. Like you said, we got the interaction between Gandalf and Frodo. We got the, the tomb of Balin and then comes the interaction with yep. the Balrog, which sets the tone for a lot of things that come up because there's you know, there's lament, there's mourning, there's a lot of like anger and sadness to deal with with right. the fellowship and motivation for them to continue and things that get set up for later films. But, but yeah, that whole, I mean, do you recall seeing that in the theater, that, that scene with the Belrog and everything and like how Absolutely. awesome that was? The one thing I was, I was going to make mention of from that scene from the first time I saw it, you know, and this was again, having no knowledge of lord of the rings whatsoever and I, this was still i didn't even realize it was just the first movie in a trilogy but as soon as gandalf fell down that uh you know that crevice or whatever you want to call it i immediately predicted like he's coming back you know you don't actually yeah. see somebody die uh like i just right, I had right. a feeling yep. i was like i think i don't think he's gone for good and of course which he does come back in in two towers so yeah that's that's the main thing i remember and the way that 
they they do that where the you know it just goes like totally silent and kind of zooms in on him hanging on the edge of the bridge and fly you fools fly you fools and then yeah there he goes i remember debating with friends around that time like prior to knowing like if he was coming back or not you know for people that didn't mm-hmm. read the book but maybe knew there was a second one coming wondering like wait did he drop or did he fall did he like do that on purpose or did he fall and so many people were like you know he i think he did it on purpose in order to motivate them uh-huh. to keep going i was like you know what i honestly can't answer it, that question it does kind of look like he just I'm, go you know like he's right he's holding oh, yeah. on and then he just kind of lets himself fall but, but you know obviously he's a wizard he has reasons for doing yeah. what he does and <clears throat> just like he's never late and right. he's never early yeah. got a reason for being where yeah. he's at so so then you got them leaving the mine finally after he yells at yep. them to leave and then there's another sweeping shot when they get out of the caves and they are, are the mines and they're just you know finally like taking a rest after all that fighting yep. through the caves and the hobbits and and legolas are just in mourning yep. you know immediately and aragorn's the one to get them on yeah. their feet but just just a few different shots of them like being in you know soaking in their sadness and while also you know, Peter Jackson taking a chance to view the landscape with that awesome cinematography at that part. Just a beautiful piece. And then there's there's a piece of music that hits right there too that I remember putting on repeat oh, yeah. sometimes. Just a, a beautiful choir yeah. piece. Yeah, it sounds like um, a like a, a boys choir, like you know, pre pubescent. Yeah, boys, boys. Yeah, choir. <laughs> but yeah, it's <laughs> what kind of choir would you like? Um, one that can sound like right. they're screaming. But yeah, that's that, that's a great scene, and definitely one of the many many moments where the music just you know elevates it to a whole nother level. Oh yeah, and that, uh, you know you were talking about how the the movie doesn't really let up. This is kind of the one one break, and it really is kind of fitting because it's like the fellowship themselves. This is where they kind of have a break is when they go to Lothlorien, you know, the elfish realm yeah. there with Galadriel and Celeborn. It's like it is a little bit of a break in the movie as well as like this is where they can go for a little bit of rest before they, you know, continue on. Yeah. And uh, one thing I was going to mention from that is when they, you know, the when Celeborn is asking like, where's Gandalf? What happened? And they'll explain that he fell. And Legolas mentions it was a Balrog of Morgoth. That's another one of those mm. little little tidbits that kind of it's like a, a a mention of something that is from the kind of the greater history of the you know middle earth and the the world morgoth was like the original dark lord basically he was the one that like sauron was kind of under his wing initially like in the the first age and even before the first age before morgoth was like cast out in the void and and then sauron kind of took over as the next big bad if you will mm. and yeah balrogs are so like there's a couple levels of sort of like the divine creatures if you will in the world morgoth is like in that that top level and then the second level is where like the the wizards so gandalf and saruman and then the balrogs are also they're all kind of in that same level or tier of the you know gods if you will and so then but the balrogs were some of the ones that were like corrupted by morgoth originally like back towards the the creation of the world so just a little nerdy background for uh for that one little yeah. thing and you know it's something i never would have <laughs> even thought of like when they would have said that before i'd read the silmarillion like a balrog of morgoth like okay i don't know what that is but it's it's cool when they throw now you do things you know for the for the super nerds i'm so glad you've read more <laughs> 
it, it motivates me to keep reading and reading uh, more of those books and that history and stuff. But obviously I hope it motivates everybody else to look yeah. into that stuff too, because there's so much there. It really is. Yeah. There was another one I, I'd written down. Uh, it was back when, when they're still in Rivendell and Ar- Aragorn is at his mom's like grave or tomb or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and they Elrond comes up and you know they're talking and Aragorn talks about how he if he could if it was his choice he would choose for Arwen to like sail into the west with her people like elves are supposed to do Um, because you know elves are immortal but if they stay on earth like in middle earth for for too long like their spirits kind of start to diminish and so then they Mm -hmm. like they sailed into the west which is like to and they mentioned valinor that's kind of almost like sort of you could call it like a heaven called the undying lands it's like a land where like basically just for the immortal beings of the earth to go and remain forever in paradise basically um so that's like all the elves when they are going like in the in the first part when sam and frodo come across the elves that are they're going into the west right um, you know never yep. to return that's like for the elves it's a good thing it's not like they're not like dying they're just going to a place where they can you know just live out their immortal days Exist. in paradise without all the the bad stuff in in middle earth yeah that, that's really yeah. nice for them and so that's like that's why you know that's what aragorn wants arwen to do instead of staying in middle earth and choosing a mortal life you know when they so they can be together but it would be very very finite so yeah that's just another another uh tolkien tidbit if you will for the yeah non-readers out there and things that'll things that'll somewhat be revisited in later films too yeah absolutely and that's where you know again spoiler alert but that's like where the the ring bears go at the very end of the movie and the very end of the books like when they get the gray havens like frodo and and bilbo right. and gandalf gladriel elrond all all sail off that's where they're going. So yeah, obviously we have their experience in Lothlorien and their various encounters with Galadriel and her perception and her wisdom there is obviously jarring to some of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. That big scene with Frodo, obviously that's mainly highlighted in the theatrical right, version, but there's a little more expansion in the extended yeah, version. Galadriel. And that's where they kind of show the scourging of the Shire, you know, which is the end what what comes at the end of Return of the King in the book that you know we don't see in the movies, but this a little bit of a taste of it here, um, you know where they yep. kind of show like all right if if the fa- if the quest fails like this is what life is going to be like for the whole the whole world, um, right? So yeah, it's it's interesting the way that they kind of put it in the movie without like really putting it in the movie. Hmm. Yeah, I remember. I I, I don't want to like spoil too much but we're going to talk about this during return of the king um so there'll be more to talk about but i remember when the movie came out and by that time i'd I'd read the books and uh i remember after the films had come out obviously we'd already purchased them and then they announced the extended versions to come and there was like obviously much rejoicing Mm -hmm. that happened with that but my big hope with return of the king and the extended version was like please please say that you guys filmed and included the scouring of the shire because I really wanted to see that. But then when you, I mean, when you read about it in the books, there's a lot to take yeah. in right there. It would, it would, I mean, you could cover, you could cover that in a whole three to four hours yeah. on its own. So referencing it, scene in the mirror makes sense to say like, mm-hmm. this could happen. Actually, you know, it kind of will a little bit to, to be able to have seen 
all that happened in the scouring, you know, with the different changes in leadership and the the battles that happened and those that came to aid during the scouring of the Shire would be like, oh, yeah. that'd been so cool to see. But at right. least you got a hint of it, I guess. Well, of course, the other scene in Return of the King that didn't make the extended cut, or that sorry, that didn't make the theatrical cut was Saruman being killed, which then, of course, right, would eliminate the happens a little scouring bit scouring of the Shire because he's the one that is you know and kind of running the Shire when they come back. What's his name? Sharky. Right. Yeah. Um, but then yes. it turns out it's, yeah. it's Saruman. And so like the fact that they kill him off earlier in the movie, it's like, well, now we really can't do all that. Yeah. You can't have this guy. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. it definitely would have been interesting, but like you said, there's, there's so much going on there and they already, um, people already kind of talk about how return of the King has too many endings anyway. So like to add out an entire, yeah big yeah. sequence of with all that where there would inevitably be at least one more battle scene and you know that oh, i can sure. i can definitely understand why they why they left it out just want to see some yeah, hobbits right. fighting you know but we do get yeah. a taste of that in the films so right. hobbits get their justice so after anything else from lothlorien you want to talk about um prior to their uh, departing yeah, or including like you know when they obviously after as they leave everybody gets the the gifts from galadriel everybody gets their gifts um, yeah which you know which again, like the extended version, just plays a little more into what the gifts are and see, who gets I, what. I, but because I feel like you only see Frodo get I've the star, don't you? The extended version for as long as I can remember. So I have a hard time remembering what all is part of the extended and what all was just in the original theatrical cut. So I'm not sure. So I I I took a chance to look at both scenes, and you only see really? one okay. gift in the huh. yeah, and you don't see like. Gimli's prolonged fascination okay. with Galadriel. You don't see the Sam being given the rope. Interesting. So it's just it's just Frodo star Frodo and the star of Galadriel. Galadriel, yeah. Oh, the the what star is, is uh, yeah. from uh, the star Arendil. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's all you see. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting because the you know Sam's um, rope obviously comes into play in early on in Two Towers. Have, right. Are you out of all those nice shiny daggers? Which, yes. Again, that's yeah. But again, like I. So I didn't watch this. We, I mean, we will, but you'll have to let me know because I'm going to watch also the, the theatrical cut of Two Towers okay. just to see. But I can't remember if the opening scenes are different. Oh, like where they use the, the rope? extended end. Or, uh, okay. Where they do use the rope and yeah, yeah. But don't want to talk right, about that right. yet, obviously. So but we'll, we'll have to check on that because I feel like there's okay. a difference there. So obviously, yes, you got the gifts and then they're off on the river and those awesome yes. canoes. And that's another one of my favorite scenes is as they're sailing down the river and then you see the Argonaut, the, you know, the big giant statues of the Kings. Yes. I always, yeah. I always thought yep. that was with their so hands cool. out. Yeah. Cause it, it like, when you see those old statues, it makes me think of like, you know, ancient Greece or something. And so like to kind of include right. certain elements like that. And just to show like just how ancient the world is, you know, like they're, you know, if we talked about mm -hmm. last week, you know, they're at the tail end of the third age. 3,000 years in and the two ages before that were probably each at least 3,000 years in length as well. So like this is right. We're talking about several thousand years of history in the world. One thing I noticed that I don't know that I ever really fully noticed before is as they are showing those kind of sweeping shots of the statues, they're playing the ring motif. Mm, the Yes. No, yeah, that, I'm not yeah. doing it right. So yeah, I thought but... like that's really interesting because obviously like the you know, after they got the ring from Sauron, like it was those men or that that 
kingdom, like the Gondor, the the Numenorians, ah, yes, the like one they that were, were... The ones that failed to destroy the ring. So, and I don't know That's if those right. statues are are specifically meant to be like Elendil and Isildur. I'd have to look in the books to to know that for sure. But yeah, I just thought that was fascinating. That yeah, and those are like obviously like again those shots that you remember from seeing in the theaters, mm-hmm. big screen experiences yeah. for the first time. But that was one of the first posters that was released. Was the shot of the two the boats going down the river with uh, the two statues on either side of, you know, and you like wondering like, what the heck is that? But then seeing it brought to life in this on the screen yeah, was, yeah. was really cool too. Cause obviously, you know, yeah, that's CGI and they didn't recreate those, but man, how long in real life would it have taken to well, carve those did, things out? Uh, they made like the bigotures of them. So they, you know, were like the, yes. Yeah. Yeah. To do the shots. So yeah. yeah that Similar to what they did right, with like Helm's right. Deep and stuff. And, uh, Minas Tirith. Speaking of Minas Tirith, I'm trying to remember when the conversation takes place between Aragorn and, oh, it was in, in Lothlorien, going back there, where they talk about, like, you know, seeing the White Tower of Ecthelion, the White City, you know, Minas Tirith, mm-hmm. and, you know, Boromir is still trying to sway them to, like, let's take the ring to Gondor, you know, we can use it against right. Sauron, because that's, you know, we find out later that's what his... So his um, dad told him to do. And, the, you know, yeah. Aragorn's like, I would not take the ring within a hundred leagues of your city. So, like, he knows, like, nothing good can happen. Like, gone, the, the men men failed once already in destroying the ring, and nothing good will come of them trying to, first of all, bringing it so close to Mordor, but in more obvious way. Right. Then, you know, obviously, obviously they're taking it to Mordor either way, but a little more sneakily with the hobbits. Mm-hmm. You don't really see that until... Um... Until the two towers, which again, don't want to get too far ahead, but you never really realize how close Minas Tirith and Osgiliath yeah. are to Mordor. You know, they, they they talk about it and Aragorn obviously has his disdain for it, but like part of the corruption factor, I'm sure, is their proximity yeah. to Mordor, you know, and how easily it is to be swayed by, you know, their fear, but also by their, um, just that, yeah. that closeness to evil. And then you learn that. You know, Denethor has a Palantir, one of the seeing stones too, which that, you know, I'm sure I think right. he's being influenced yep. through that quite a bit as well. Yeah. Same yeah. as Saruman. Yeah. But then they obviously have to get off the river in order yeah. to, before yeah, they another cross. Another example of just taking advantage of the uh-huh. incredible landscape down there in New Zealand, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those are pretty, pretty awesome. Yep. But yeah, then, uh, yeah. This again makes me think of, I think we talked about this last time, but this makes me think of my uh, self-proclaimed awesome video editing <laughs> skills back when, when I was in junior high and taking taking these scenes once they get off the river and putting them to music. <laughs> you'll you'll cringe at this. I know you will. But I took the scene right where when Aragorn and Frodo are having that conversation right after Frodo falls off of that oh, yeah. sculpture. Um, they're having that conversation about the ring and how Aragorn is kind of basically telling him like, you got to yeah. go, you got to go on your own. <clears throat> and then the Urukai come in. I put that, like, I just, I just cut right there and then ended it right when Boromir gets shot to the middle by Jimmy Eat World. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> like, he's laughing way too much at this. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah, but at the time I was like, that song was big, and I was like, oh, this is so awesome! I think there should be some kind of like video streaming service where I can upload these. But oh, no. um, at the time there wasn't, so I just showed it to a bunch of friends and thought it was cool, and then was sad when they didn't <laughs> think it was as cool. But oh my uh, god! But anyway, every time I watch the movie now, I just think of that song, and I'm like, oh man, I I should not have done that. 
Yeah, almost for, ruins for, the scene. Our but um, we should go show you some Jimmy's world. Yes, guys. <laughs> we yes. need some intensity here. Yes, yes. Jimmy, oh, Jimmy man. world is going to be it. That is too funny. I wish I could see that. But anyway, yeah. So, so there are several, a few different interactions here that are key. Obviously, mainly Frodo's. Yeah. You know, with Frodo's interaction with Boromir, and then Frodo's yeah. interaction with Aragorn. Two completely different interactions. They're just going to show. Right. One of them understands what's at stake and one of them does not. Yeah. Thinks he does. Yeah. And of course, Bormir, yep. you know, he still, he regains his honor and redemption and has a very moving, dramatic death scene where he defends. Yeah. Sean Hobbits. Bean gets yeah, his death right. scene. Uh, I did, I did write that down as one of our, one of my favorite scenes, you know, when, when Aragorn references our people and like Boromir's reaction, like our people, mm. you know, I mm-hmm. would have followed you, my brother, my captain, my king, and like, man, my king. what a line, yeah, what a what a way to go out, yeah, and and again, like, yeah, for all he did, that the his saving yeah. of Merry and Pippin, and his taking of those arrows and continuing to fight, and then yeah, his death and that conversation with Aragorn, like, all right, okay, yeah, Boromir, you're not so bad. He, he was redeemed in the end. He finally understood. Yeah. But awful, you know, after yeah. after he tries to take the ring from Frodo, it's like he finally understands and he goes out with honor. Yeah, that was yeah. a great, great scene. Such a such a brutal, I mean like intense sequence there from the from the time that Aragorn mm-hmm. encounters the Urukai and the battle starts, you know, and like his fighting and then Legolas and Gimli like coming in and doing their part and then then yeah. hearing the horn and running to Boromir's aid after he's already yeah. like taken a few. But like yeah. The the way they did those shots yeah. with him getting hit each time by one of those arrows and it like oh that one's gonna bring him yeah. down but no he stands back up and, and the music like, keeps just fighting totally cuts but then out. finally yeah yep yeah. oh yeah but then like yeah I love it when that what what is his name they give a name to that leader the Urukai leader maybe is it Lurch? I, I don't or is remember. that just like his nickname but yeah I, I think he does have some kind of a name um, like that. But that, yeah, that he's going to take that final shot to like finish him off, and then Aragorn comes in just as he did yeah. for like the hobbits, and then has that fight. Yeah, it just happened so fast. Like I thought, I remembered it being longer, but like yeah. not just a few it is like a great hits. Little fight scene. And then he, it is, yeah, just the, the chopping off of the arm, and then like him pulling the sword into his torso, and then pulling the sword <laughs> yeah. right out and chopping off the head. Just yeah, a perfect end for that thing. But yeah, yeah, and then Boromir's end, and then. The shot of Frodo yeah. on the shore. Yeah, that just that whole like that lingering shot where he can just he's just kind of staring at the ring in his hand or staring over at the the, the other side of the river, like he knows what he has to do. And then he, you can see like I, another thing I wrote down was just Elijah Wood is such a good actor just with his eyes and his facial expressions. Like he doesn't have to say anything, mm. but you can just mm-hmm. see the change in his face where he's like, "All right, let's do this," and like he's just gonna go and yeah. And then, of course, Sam, like, I'm going alone. Of course you are. And I'm going with you. Right. Like, that's such a great line. <laughs> Sam's always good for those. Like, but again, which makes oh, Sam absolutely. a favorite. Yeah. Like, such a favorite because, like, he, you know, he's got yeah. such a loyalty to him. Right. And he'll go through anything. And the call back to the, um, don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee. I made a promise, Mr. Frodo. A promise. Don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee. And I don't mean to. I don't mean to. Oh, Sam. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So good. 
Man. Yeah, such a great pairing of Sean Astin and, and uh, Elijah Wood. But you talk about his eyes. One of the, like you call that specific scene, like where he's kind of thinking through things and reflecting mm-hmm. right before he gets into the boat. There, the One of the parts where you really see that change too is like he's, the line that's being repeated in his head is where he says, I wish the oh, ring had yeah. never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. And then it's like, he's just thinking of his own line and then mm-hmm. Gandalf's voice comes in, you know, and like, obviously we hear that as an audience, but like his eyes and his whole like facial expression changes when he hears like Gandalf's refrain, like coming in over him and just saying like, so do all who you yeah. know, encounter these times, but that yeah. is not for them to decide. It's just such a, yeah, like you said, his, the way he plays it with his eyes and the changes in his expression is just, I mean, it's gotta be one of the Absolutely. reasons he was cast. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to watch the special features again. And I can't remember if they talked much about like the actual audition process. And, you know, I'm sure they did like screen tests and stuff and to test the chemistry between those actors, you know, and it'd be interesting to, to learn more about that whole process. Yeah, it's time yes. to watch the special features. But then, yeah, what do we have? Obviously, like you said, like Sam jumps in, yeah. Frodo pulls him into the boat. They have their little talk where they make their decision yeah. to continue on together and and then they cross, and then, and then, yeah, and then Legolas and Gimli want to like yeah. continue on and go after him, but Aragorn kind of reminds them that there's two other hobbits yeah, that Marian need some help. Have been captured by the Urukai because Saruman told them, you know, bring the halflings alive. So they, right, right, they didn't tell which ones. Yeah. That, like these guys don't have what Saruman is is after, <laughs> which is obviously favorable for the Fellowship, uh, which is, of course is now right. now broken. But uh, so now we get the whole two towers story where it's like jumping back and forth between all the different storylines, you know, whereas Fellowship was just mm-hmm. one kind of continuous story. Now we've got the, the Frodo and Sam and then Gollum the breaking. story and the man dwarf elf story. And then, yeah. What a great trio. And then, of course, you know, we get introduced to whole new worlds and people in the in two towers with Ents and Rohan and all those new new folk. So yeah, 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 there's a there's a lot to look forward to. But going yeah back to the beginning of the fellowship or end of the fellowship, you know, and your you know, the shots they give you of Frodo and Sam walking off towards Mordor now, where they can see it, yeah. you know, in the distance a little bit and go, making that crossing. Yeah, I just remember those feelings of like, and it even evokes those feelings now when you watch it, even though you know what's coming. You may need to be reminded of some of the stuff that's coming. You know, there's more films, obviously, to be had and more story. Yeah, just that cliffhanger in the theater of just like, oh, oh, yeah, there wasn't like an end to this one. It was like a, just a to be continued. These are all to be yeah. big to be continued in, in I didn't these films. But um, the first time I saw it, like I had when no you first idea. saw it, I thought yeah. it was just a movie. So yeah, I was a little confused, and then I, you know quickly understood like, oh, okay, it's a trilogy great and i think as we said you know last week and like was so excited that we only had to wait a year before the next one instead of like the usual three years between you know when you have like a big trilogy like that so yeah and again loving the fact that they didn't take the time to see if it was successful before they started filming just knock it all out at once what a great investment by new line yeah 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 good job guys they were smart but yeah so Man, what are you looking forward to about Two Towers? Uh, I like the Rohan stuff. I love the like the Rohan motif, uh, you know, the music and like all the mm-hmm. the stuff with the the Rohirrim and Aomer. Of course, the Battle of Helm's Deep. You know, that's a great, great 
I don't even call it a scene. It's, you know, more than just a scene, but great sequence, if you will. Of course, the return of Gandalf. Lots of stuff to look forward to. Yeah. He does come so, back, yeah. And then the, the you know, of course, the rescue of Merry and Pippin and just mm-hmm. lots of good stuff. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I'm looking forward to just a lot of the development of the stuff to be pushed forward. I remember, I mean, there's no real way to like, you know, we talked about this when we talked about our top 10, but there's no real way to yeah. like separate these films. But they are still, they are still individual viewings. So there are favorite parts and there are favorite sections, I feel like. And so a lot of Two Towers is development, but mm-hmm. a lot of bridge pieces, you know, like it's it's connecting you yeah. from one part of the story to another. And so the the film itself is setting up a lot and it's you yeah. know a lot yeah, happens it's the middle, the middle um, piece of a but trilogy that's uh, yeah so there's there's a lot of introductions for things that are to happen a lot of introductions to characters and things mm-hmm. that are to be pivotal later but not a lot is resolved yeah. within this one you know like not a lot's decided or resolved it's just like we're, we're this is yeah. the journey piece you know to the end where we right. before we wrap everything up so but yeah the extended version of this one feels long yeah. i remember like just because of all the different journey pieces and they're like, because they're yeah. so separate too, you know, like, like you said, like it goes back and forth between like Frodo and Sam and Gollum and then the trio of the elf dwarf and man and then Merry and Pippin and then yeah. back and forth, you know, it's just like, right. there's a lot that happens and it's packed. Yep. But yeah, it's, it's a high, it's still a highly enjoyable film and you can't even really rank it within the three. So yeah, I would just say overall, if I'm looking forward to, to a particular part, I do love the the battle of the Ents, oh, the March yes. of the Ents at Isengard. Yeah, that's great. Seeing yeah. that brought to life was really cool. Yeah, well. But yeah, so so next episode, yeah, we will get into that. Part one. Part one, yeah. We'll have to discuss where we're going to break that one naturally. But again, I, as you said, it's where yeah, the disc breaks off. So feels like a good, good that, spot to do it. So. It is, yeah. Yeah, because it is yeah. just under four hours. So there, was, there will be a lot to talk about next time. All right, well. That's all for this week's episode of There and Back Again. We are very glad that you are with us. Here at the end of this podcast.